Good morning and greetings in Jesus' name this morning. I'm glad for the presence of each of you. And uh, I trust that we'll, we will continue to be blessed as we have been thus far. I, I feel like I need to comment just a little bit. Um, you always run the risk, you know, as you transition out of Sunday school into the sermon time, that um, there's going to be some leftover material from the Sunday school that just seems like it, it needs discussed a little further. I just have one comment I'd like to make real quickly because I, I think it's a little bit important. Uh, Ryan mentioned about, you know, the, the possibility of laying aside the teachings of Paul and saying, ah, maybe, maybe not, I'll do as I please. And then he had to say, and Dwight as well. And I felt kind of my ears getting warm because I knew I was going to be up here this morning. And I'd like to comment on that just a little bit. Um, I immediately had to think of a few things in Scripture that I think are really important for us to remember. Um, yes, we have responsibilities. We, we have our way of doing things. We have people that have a responsibility to preach the Word, and we understand that. However, remember this. Remember the example of the Bereans. They heard the Word... But they just didn't take it at face value and say, well, it has to be that way because that's what we heard. No, they were commended for making sure that what they heard was exactly the way it was. Commended for that. Think of Apollos. Fiery preacher, he comes in. He doesn't quite have it right, so Priscilla and Aquila take him aside and say, here's what you need to know yet. And he took that. And it made him all the more of a fiery preacher. Friends, this morning, if, if I need to be taught, you teach me. If you hear something that I need to learn, you tell me about that. I don't know everything. And I also just love what Paul told Timothy. Now, if anybody had the authority to tell Timothy, listen, I'm Paul. I am who I am. I was called a God on that road to Damascus. You listen to me and you do as I say. It would have been Paul to Timothy. But what did Paul say to Timothy? He said this. He said, consider what I say but the Lord give you understanding. And I so much like that. And that's what I say this morning. Consider what I say, but the Lord give you understanding. I think that's so important. Um, you know, the Anabaptists believed in a hermeneutic circle. They believed that, yes, we had preachers. But you know what? You as a congregation are just as important part of that. To make sure that that preacher is preaching the right thing. And... Um, um, well, I could expound a long time on that, but we'll leave that now. But so, so I just want to say this. Um, you know what? We all bear a, a, a responsibility to make sure that the pure gospel of God is preached in our circles. That's why I so much like Sunday school. In fact, there's times I think Sunday school is almost more important than this part because we have a teacher and we have this interaction and you know, if the teacher gets, you know, throws something out there that's not quite right, immediately he can, he, he's got to come and write back. So I'll even tell you, you can do that this morning. If, uh, if you hear me saying something isn't right, just bring it back at me. We'll, uh, we'll take it from there. All right, so with that preamble, let's, uh, let's go another direction. In the year 1930, there was a couple by the name of, uh, well, I don't know their names. I know their last names, Edens. Mr. and Mrs. Edens had a little baby boy, and they named him Robert. And Robert was a nice chap. They loved Robert. And they did all the things you do to babies when they're born. They slapped his bottom. He, he yelled. He breathed. He turned the color he should have. And things were well. 
not. It wasn't too long till they realized that Bob had a problem. He was blind, couldn't see. Well, you know what the medical world was like in 1930, not nearly as advanced as, as it is today. And so Bob, for 51 years, felt his way through the blackness of the world. To him, the world was black. He never saw anything other than the color black. I guess that's what blind people see anyway, is black. I'm not sure what they see. But imagine this. In 1981, there was a surgeon that said, you know, I think I can help Bob. I think I can restore Bob's sight. And so they scheduled the surgery for November 18, 1981. And this um, surgeon uh, performed his surgery. And he attached the retina, a part of Bob's eye, and he did a corneal transplant. And when Bob woke up, Bob could see. Now imagine, imagine such a thing. Bob was overwhelmed. He said, I never dreamed the yellow was so yellow. I'm just amazed at yellow. But red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. I like the shape of the moon. I like, to, I like to see a jet plane and its vapor trails that flies over me. And oh, the sunrises and the sunsets. At night, I like the twinkling stars in the sky. And I have to get used to grass. I never dreamed grass was more than just fuzz. You could never know how wonderful everything is. Now, just imagine all the things we take for granted. Um, it's, it's, it's totally amazing what this man must have experienced. Now, turn with me to John 9. We're going to talk about another blind man today that um, had somewhat of a similar experience. I don't know how many of you know a blind person. Um, I really don't know any blind people personally. We do have uh, a couple that comes to our house for eggs that um, his wife is blind, and she was there at least once, I know. I didn't, I didn't meet her, but my wife did. Um, sweet lady, uh, but uh, blind nonetheless. So I don't know. Just, just curious. How many of you know, know a blind person? Okay. A few. All right. Okay. Well, so what we're going to do here is we're going to read chapter uh, 9, John 9, and then we will come back in and look at it a bit. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind, said, Is not this he that said and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes, and said to me, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash, excuse me. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? 
He said, I know not. They brought to, they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such a miracle? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him? That he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe concerning him, and that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called his parents of him that had received his sight. They asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or what hath opened his eyes, we, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spoke his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the, blind, the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, what did, he, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. For we know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man is a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, he heareth him. Him he heareth. Since the world was... Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and said, And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh unto thee. And he said, Lord, I believed and worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which might see, and they that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we also blind? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. Okay, there's a lot in this chapter, and we're not nearly going to cover it all today. But I've titled my thoughts, Born Blind for God's Glory. <clears throat> and the purpose of this uh, talk here this morning is I would like to go through this chapter and 
there was a lot of people that interacted with this blind man uh, on this particular day. And I'd like for us to consider how they interacted with the blind man and the lessons we can learn from that, uh, from these folks' um, reaction and interchange with the blind person. So we have the disciples, we have Jesus, we have his neighbors, we have his parents, we have the Pharisees, and we have the man himself. So we have quite a few groups of people here that uh, we're going to consider, and I'm highly doubting it will all be this morning. So just taking it as in order that it comes, I would um, like to first of all consider the disciples. It talks about how that they're passing by, they happen to pass this blind man, and the disciples seem, seemingly ask a question that seems a bit um, unique, I guess you would say. Um, they said, hey, Jesus, uh, th- we got a blind, blind man. Uh, who sinned, him or his parents? So just to, just to think of that a bit, I doubt whether you would ask that question if you saw a blind person. But you've got to understand that the way we think about things and the way the disciples think about things are quite different because of our cultures, uh, because of our the things that influence their culture versus our culture. And so I'd like to explain just a little bit what perhaps these folks were thinking, these disciples. There was a man, a Greek man by the name of Pythagoras, that was influenced society, Greek society, uh, at some point, probably four to 500 years before Jesus um, came to earth. And this particular person, um, he believed in what is called transmigration of souls. Actually, it's not a whole lot different than what, the, um, what some religions would believe today, that you perhaps had a former life, and depending on what you did in that life, you come back into another life um, as a different person and perhaps punished for the things that you did in a former life. Now, it, 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 it would seem like the disciples should have known better than all that. But in my studies, I did come across the, the idea, Josephus speaks to this a bit, that even in Jewish culture, there was perhaps this, this concept that perhaps there was a bit of this transmigration that could have taken place. I don't know how rampant it was, but it seems like that did have a, a part to play among Jewish culture. That perhaps this person sinned in a former pre-existent state. Well, that's one, that's one reason that the, the disciples may have asked this particular question. I think there's probably a better reason, though. Very possibly, the disciples did not know this person was born blind. I don't know how they would have known that unless this person was a very uh, fixed figure there and they would have encountered him before. Perhaps they knew, but I'd say there's a possibility they did not know that. Now, just flip back with me to John 5 and verse 14. John 5 is the uh, account of the impotent man that Jesus healed. Now, let's read verse 14. This is after the man's healed, and Jesus finds this man again in the temple. In verse 14, And he said to this impotent man, Behold, thou art made whole. In other words, you were healed. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Now, from, from that verse, a person could definitely deduct that perhaps this impotent man here in in chapter 5 was impotent because of a sin. That wouldn't be out of the context to think that that's perhaps possible. 
And the disciples obviously would have been with Jesus at that point. And so they maybe, I don't know how much time it transpired, but maybe they remembered that. And they said, okay, um, you know, impotent man healed. Jesus says, don't sin, lest the worst thing come upon you. Perhaps this blind man has sin in his life, and that's why he has this problem. And it was very deeply embedded in Jewish psyche that uh, bad things, disease, this type of thing, was a result of sin. And that's not totally a wrong concept. Um, If you would go back and you would read through Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, you will find this idea. Um, You do the right thing, I will bless you. You do the wrong thing, and bad things will happen. That is the way it works. It still works that way to an extent. Um, And so... Not completely unfounded that this person could have possibly been punished for some sort of disobedience. However, Jesus teaches them another (laughs) concept here. Um, Ezekiel had brought this out years before and and in other places in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read a verse quickly out of Ezekiel. The soul that sinneth it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. In other words, Jesus, what he taught these folks, and we could go back to Luke 13, same thing, Jesus, Jesus is teaching, that um, don't think this particular person is having an issue because of his parents. Not so. Uh, this person has his issue because God needs some glory. And through the annals of history, down to this very day, God gets glory because of this blind man. And it's, we do well to remember that. So, what are some lessons we can learn from these disciples today? Number one, we don't always need an answer. There are some things that we will not have answers for. This, this blind man, um, he was born blind. He didn't know why. The disciples didn't know why. Only God knew why. I believe he was born blind so that today, in July of 2014, we would have John 9, and we could look at it, and we could learn some lessons. And all through history, that was the way it was. So let's not always think that we need to investigate the whys of our problems or the whys of somebody else's problems. Um, It may not be tied to anything, and it's very likely it is not. Consider Job. Another thing I think we need to learn uh, from this is that needs need to be met either way. It doesn't matter if it was the impotent man who perhaps had his problem because of a sin, or whether it's a blind man that's blind for no reason at all. The need needs met either way. Don't spend a lot of time analyzing it. Just meet the need. All right. So now, let's, let's go and let's talk a bit about Jesus and how he related to um, this blind man after he has his word with the disciples. There's one thing I'd like to point out here um, right away, and that is that blindness in Jesus' time, uh, the way I understand it, was very common. Uh, you didn't have to go very far to find a blind man. And you would deduce that from reading the Gospels that this wasn't the only blind man that was ever healed. It seemed like they were relatively common. 
And because of the um, uh, medical world of the time, because of the environment, because of different things, blindness was quite common. And it still is today in third world countries because of, um, because of the issues that are still there. But uh, the thing that's even more important is Jesus is the only person in the Bible that ever healed a blind man. You would go into the Old Testament, you could read of many miraculous things that happened. Um, and we won't go into that, you know. But prophets, Moses, Aaron, different people that we know of that performed miracles. I mean, people were even raised back to life. But never was a blind person healed, ever. That's why this, this man says, in, uh, you know, later in the chapter, he said, never in the history of the world has somebody that couldn't see been able to see. He was exactly right. This was something new. Um, and I think that's important because in uh, Luke 4, 18, very familiar verse, Jesus, whenever he's handed that scroll, and he said, here, read something to us. These folks did at the synagogue. Here's the verse he chose. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. And, of course, we know that's a, a verse out of Isaiah 61. And when John the Baptist is sitting in prison and he's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, was my ministry what it should have been? Is Jesus the person that he says he is or is something else coming? So the disciples come to Jesus and Jesus sends them back with this answer. Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel was preached. Again, one of the marks of the Messiah was that the blind would see. Now that's important because... Only Jesus ever healed the eyes of a blind man. So these Pharisees, these unbelievers of the time, they just woke up to the and smelled the roses a little bit. They would have understood that, you know what? This man is who he says he is. All right, so let's look a little bit closer at Jesus and how he relates to this blind man. Whenever other people walked past this blind man, they saw a blind man with a bowl that wanted money. That's what they saw. And if they had a shekel or two, they'd drop it in. When Jesus walked past this man, he saw a needy man and a society of uncaring people who could benefit from this miracle of healing. And it's interesting the way John writes this chapter. It would seem like Jesus and his disciples were just leaving the temple and passing by. They were on their way. They had another mission. That is the way the disciples perceived it. Jesus, of course, knew, being God, what was going to happen. But the perception of you observing this was, okay, we're just on our way out of the temple going to our next mission. So what are some lessons here we can learn from Jesus? Jesus always sees needs. Always. Okay? This blind man was a need. Another opportunity for him to minister to. And he stopped and met that need. The other thing that's interesting is Jesus wanted to meet this man's real need. Now, if Jesus would have said to this man, what do you want? What would you like me to do? He'd have probably said, you know, a hundred would be nice. You know, uh, the pan's here. How about a shekel or two? That was what he perceived his need to be. Jesus saw his real need. 
A lesson we can learn from this is the chances that your perspective on your need is different than what Jesus sees. There's a very real chance that that's the case. A very real chance. And perhaps the need that you perceive your brother to have is a little different too. We do well to remember that. Sometimes we have a hard time recognizing our own need. This man really didn't know what he was missing. He was a lot like Bob, the guy we talked about in the beginning of of our talk here. He didn't know. He just thought grass was fuzz. He had no idea what he was missing. This man had no idea. I don't know how old he was, but he was old enough to talk for himself. That much I know. And uh, I don't think he knew what he was missing by not having his eyesight. But Jesus knew. And Jesus was ready to meet his need. The other thing that I find so fascinating about this interaction between Jesus and this man is the fact that this man never asked Jesus to be healed. Never. It doesn't even imply that there was an interchange. I'm not saying there wasn't, but we're not told that if there was. It was simply Jesus has the conversation with the disciples, he makes his clay, puts it on the eyes, and says to the man, go wash. That's it. I find that very interesting. That this man met or Jesus met this man's need without him asking for it. And I'd like you to consider, how many times do you suppose your needs are met and you don't even know they're met? You don't even know. How many times do the angels look over you? You had no idea you were spared from some mishap or some misfortune or some temptation. Who knows? You don't know that. I think sometimes we need to thank God for deliverance that we're unaware of. This man did not understand his need. And another thing, needs are often a means or a way for God to to bring glory to himself. We see our needs as inconveniences at the least and as crises at the most, but could they perhaps be something that God is wanting to bring into your life or the life of your brother to bring glory to himself and the way we let him work in our lives will make the difference of whether glory is brought to him or not. The other thing here, I think probably the most important thing of Jesus interchange with the disciples here at this point is in verse 4. I must work these works while it is day because the night comes and I won't be able to work anymore. Folks, I think that's very, very serious advice and I think we do well to consider that. As a matter of fact, we could probably spend the rest of the morning talking about that. But do we understand that our opportunity to meet the needs of others is short at best? And many times the, the uh, opportunity to meet a need is fleeting. It's here, it's gone. Had Jesus not healed that blind man that day, would that blind man have ever been healed? Well, who knows? It's, it's not even really a, a question worth debating. But the point was, now was the time, 10 o'clock, Monday morning, whatever. Um, The blind man's here, he's got the need, do it. And I think Jesus' lesson for us is, hey, you know, there's going to be times that meeting needs is going to be somewhat inconvenient. It's not going to be in our plans, but the need's there. Do it while the opportunity exists. Because the night's coming, and you won't be able to do that anymore. Um, He didn't work these works so that he could get his works out of the way and go fishing. 
He worked his works because he knew that there was more work to do than he could get done, and the night was coming. Well, I'd like to just wrap up these, this look at Jesus here by saying this. Um, each of us has a need. You know that, right? We all have a need. And this morning, you've either let Jesus meet that need or you have not. Um, I trust that if Jesus wants to meet your need, you've let him do that. And you know what I'm talking about, and that is our need for salvation. And the Hebrew writer um, capitalizes on this point as well. He says, today, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Because if you do that, tomorrow might never come, and, or your heart may be hard. One of the two, and your need will never be met. Imagine this man begging Jesus to be healed later. Can you imagine such a thing? If there would have been a conversation with this man, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, and Jesus would have said, hey, what do you think? You want to be healed? You want to see? You think that blind man would have said, come back tomorrow. I want to be healed tomorrow. Or next week, or next month, next year. Now, I'm, I'm enjoying my blindness. Let's, let's just, I want to keep that a little bit longer. What an absurd thing. Of course not. That would have never happened. Consider how many people do that with their life of black sin. Hey, I want to enjoy that just a little bit longer. Just a little longer. That's what Felix did when Paul preached the righteousness and judgment and truth to Felix. He said, Paul, a more convenient season. I want to, I want to be Felix a little bit longer. Folks, we have a need. Jesus wants to meet that need. If you have not let Jesus meet that need, please do that. Don't wait for a more convenient season. I want to pause now a bit and look at the miracle. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll lay the folks and their reactions aside just a little bit and look at the miracle, the actual act that Jesus performed. I mentioned already that there was no conversation. Jesus simply uh, spits on the ground, makes clay, and he smears this clay on this man's eyes. Now, there's an interesting thing I came by here, again, in my studies, and, and I, I don't know how people know these things, but I'm just telling you what I gleaned, okay? Supposedly, in those days, you know, with some of the, um, and it's not too much different today, I guess, um, some of the things people believe in is unbelievable, but um, there was a thought that, that spit, had some healing power. It was actually a good thing. Um, don't ask me where you'd come by that, but there was that thought. And, that, and it particularly was efficacious to eye, eye problems. And it just it seems absurd that that could be the case, but I suppose it could be. Um, and so why Jesus chose this method, I do not know. But could it be that this man perhaps thought, hey, you know, Jesus is actually doing something here that's beneficial. You know, he's, he's using saliva. It's a good thing. I have no idea. As a matter of fact, I doubt whether this man even knew what was smeared on his eyes. He's blind. He couldn't see. But anyway, it happened. If nothing else, if somebody smears mud on your eyes, you've got some real motivation to find a pool of Siloam. That I can tell you. Real motivation, folks. So Jesus perhaps... Um, knew this man needed some motivation, and so he anoints his eyes. Whatever the reason, he 
the point I want to bring out is Jesus never used the same method for healing blind people. If you, if you look through the scripture, it's a different way every time. This was the, the way he chose to heal this man. So then he says, go to the pool of Siloam. That's another interesting little thought. Uh, the pool of Siloam was inside the city gates there, inside the city wall, I should say. But it got its water source from a spring outside the city wall that was, in Hezekiah's day, they had built a, a um, conduit through solid rock to bring this, this water from the spring inside, into the, inside the city gates into this pool. And, of course, it's obvious why they did that. So, if, you know, your, your city is surrounded by enemies, you're going to get pretty thirsty. But if we have this water that's fed from a spring coming in, we're taken care of. So that was the whole point of, the, of, the, um, of this particular spring. And the neat thing is, this, um, this pool of Siloam was not at all dirty. It was, it was, a, it was a nice pool. It was a nice place to, to wash in. So, what are some lessons? Oh, I wanted to say this yet, too. John brings it out. The, the name of the pull, which being interpreted, was sent. Okay? So, a little play on words. Jesus, back in verse um, 4, said, I must work the works of him that sent me. All right? So, this man was sent to the sent by the sent. Okay? So, Interesting. All right, so let's look at some lessons we can learn from, from this miracle. I already mentioned this, but God's methods of working with people vary, but the end result is all the same. It didn't matter how he healed a blind man. The blind man at the end of the day was healed. There were some times that it took a little bit. Uh, there were some times he saw trees walking around that looked like men, things like this. But at the end of the day, sight was completely restored. And it was done in different ways. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? The end result that God wants for each one of you and I is salvation of you and I's souls. That is what he wants. Now, how he goes about doing that is none of your business and none of mine. If I can be a part of that, praise God. But let's not second-guess God's working with people. God can work with people the way he wants to work with people, and he will. Another application we can make is there was many more blind people in Jesus' day that were not healed. They, they continued to be blind. For whatever reason, they were not healed. In today's world, I would just like to say this as a lesson for us. Um, there may be two people with similar needs praying the same prayer. God may choose to work with one completely different than another, but that's not up to you and I to decide why that was the way it was. God hears prayer. God answers prayer. It can be completely different. The end result, either way, is to glorify God. Never wise to question Jesus' work in your life or in your brother's or your neighbor's. Another lesson, God's methods may be surprising and may be undesirable. And I already mentioned this as well. But mud, mud. Who wants to work with mud? Especially when you think about what made the mud. Saliva, spit. Not desirable. But submitting to God, 
may not always look desirable, but afterwards it will yield the fruit that we want if we will submit to that. Think that man cared about the mud after he was healed? I don't think he cared about the mud. Another thing I think is interesting and a lesson we can learn from this is, I'll just ask it this way. How, why was this man healed? Did he have some huge amount of faith? Was it faith that healed this man? He maybe had some faith, don't know. But from what we know here, it was his obedience that healed him. So Jesus said, the mud's on your eye. We didn't say that. He just said, okay, go wash. You know, the man knows there's something there. And he said, wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, now think about this. Inside the city walls, there was a sheep pole, there was a tower pole, there was a serpent's pole, and I think there was one other pole besides the pool of Siloam. Do you think it would have worked if he went to the sheep's pole? I bet not. Think of Naaman uh, back in the Old Testament. You know that story. Naaman wouldn't have been healed of his leprosy had he went to his beautiful rivers in Damascus. He needed to go to the Jordan River. I question if, the, if any other pool would have, would have cut it for this man. The other thing that I like so much is that from what I understand about where this man's proximity was and where the pool of Siloam was, it wasn't a real long distance. And it was a clean pool, as I already mentioned. Jesus was not at all unreasonable with this man. He said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Clean water, not that far away, go wash. But he did not offer to take him. He didn't say, here, come with me, we'll go wash. He said, you go wash. Now, it would have taken a measure of, um, of work for this man to get there because he was blind after all. He still didn't have his sight, but he would have had to feel his way over there and wash in that pool. I like, I like the thoughts of that. Um, God was not unreasonable here. Picked a pool that was close. And the first that came to my mind when I thought of these things was, you know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that man found it that way that day. And the neat thing was, this man could see clearly, instantaneously. Unlike our friend Bob at the beginning of the story, his sight came back slowly. Over time, it got better and better. This man's sight was there, like that, done. Well, I knew we wouldn't get through this today, and I went into it knowing that, and I think this is a convenient time to stop, so we're going to stop there, and the next time I'm up here, we're going to continue with uh, the rest of the uh, responses and lessons we can learn from this miracle of healing. In the meantime, if you get a chance, read through this and see what you come up with, and I'm sure that uh, if uh, you think through it, you'll probably come up with more than I did. And I think that could be beneficial to you and, and perhaps to me as well. But in the, uh, as we close, I want you to just think of this. Um, God can do wonderful things. He did a wonderful thing this day. God can do wonderful things for you. But it will take some obedience on your part. It will take some faith on your part. And it will take a recognition. A a part of you that will recognize that you have a need that needs to be met. And those three things were in place for this man, and he could see. And the same thing can happen for you and me today.